What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Raise the Geek podcast, where geek is all we speak. We have a big one this week. It is our review of The Eternals, the newest MCU movie, now in theaters. And by we, I mean Chris. And Don. Let's go. And we're back once again. I'm Chris. As always, I'm here with my buddy, Don. How we doing, man? Chris, what is up today, my friend? Everything's okay. Having a, having a good time. Always having a good time here on Saturdays. When best we record. Best day. <clears throat> it is. Best day of the week. And you know what? Usually we record Saturdays pretty early. We kind of like to start around noon or one in the afternoon. Yeah. That's when the calendar um, invites set to go off. One o'clock, sure. I get a message. Sure. And that's like when we have, you know, some time on our hands, we like to do it then. Um, last week's episode, we recorded in the evening and we're also recording in the evening today. Just, you know, stuff happens in your life you got to take care of. So we pushed the podcasting back until the evening. Uh, it's like, what, 730 now, 730 p.m. Yeah. It's funny to me or not. Funny is not the word, but a uh, little transparency here. I like to. While we're while we're podcasting, I'll have a beer every now and then. I just feel like it loosens me up. Mm-hmm. I feel much less guilt when we, record, <laughs> when we record in the evenings, and I can I have a beer because I do anyway. When we're recording in the afternoon, like if it's one o'clock, I'll be like, oh, I'm gonna have a beer because I like to just talk with my buddy about these things while I'm just sipping on some uh, beer. But I'm just then I'll think like, oh man, it's the afternoon. Like what kind of what kind of person am I? I'm like having a beer. <laughs> And then we'll and then we'll go to a break and I'll be like I gotta get another one I gotta have that second beer much less guilt having a beer at seven thirty p.m. than one thirty p.m. I don't know I yeah don't know no I would stumble out of the room it'd be like three o'clock we'd be done recording and I'd be like hey what's going on with the rest <laughs> of the day and it's either keep drinking or like have to deal with that weird midday like come down. <laughs> yeah yeah it's like you you want to take a nap but then you don't it's just like you feel funny like i already had two beers it's three o'clock what am i doing yeah uh, gotta have yeah. another just gotta keep it going yeah man i feel much much less like a scumbag when we record at night having <laughs> a beer. <laughs> but it is what it is uh i'm, I'm enjoying a nice uh goose island ipa festive ipa the christmas oh, nice. beers are out now oh yeah yeah um, I- Having having dived into the Christmas ones yet, I do have a giant advent calendar, a German mm-hmm. beer advent calendar I got from Costco. It has 24 beers in it, one a day for December. So I'm waiting for that bad boy. Crack that yeah, open. Awesome. Yeah, it's got just all different kinds of brews and, you know, kinds are all just like German ales, which seem cool. So I was very excited to try that one. Yeah, dude, that's cool. I mean, it's only November 6th, so it's still too early for Christmas beers, it feels like uh but they're fresh i know when i'm buying them at the store like these are brand new these just got here they're gonna taste good so i'm like i'll try them now i don't care that it's november 6th i mean we as a society we pass over thanksgiving anyway uh in our right. holiday celebration we passed already, over halloween this year right there's already christmas music playing at stores and it's like let us have thanksgiving first i fall into that camp i know there's some people like it's christmas season as soon as halloween is over i like to give thanksgiving its due it's a good holiday, best food of any holiday. So I'm not one who likes to pass it up. But, it's my uh, favorite holiday of like the 
Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's one because it's just a holiday a, season. A holiday season because I, I enjoy Halloween a little bit more, but Thanksgiving kind of falls in that category where you're everyone forgets about it. And it's just kind of like one day you go do something, you eat some food, you hang out, and it's just a lot yeah, more man. chill. Like Christmas is just, I got to think of presents and I got to yeah. go and set that up. And you, you know, like the shopping, the stores get all busy. I mean, I'm all humbug by the time we hit December. The, my only joy of Christmas is watching uh, a very Murray Christmas while I put up the tree <laughs> on Netflix. Classic. Dude, I love every year, every year since it debuted. That's what I put on when we put up the Christmas tree. I've said we should make that a yearly watch, but I think we only watched it that one year. But yeah, I think we're going to revisit it this year. That is a, just a feel-good holiday uh, holiday fun. It's like wrapping yourself in a nice warm Bill Murray hug yeah, for the holiday season. Bill Murray, and then, then you throw a little Jenny Lewis in there singing Christmas carols to you. I mean, do you really sure. need, do you need anything else in life? I don't. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> little, have a drink, listen to yeah. Jenny Lewis and Bill Murray sing songs to you. Yeah, um, that's... That's heaven for me. So there you go. I love it. Love it. But Don, we are here to talk about the Eternals. It came out. It is opening weekend. You and I went back to the movies, saw it opening weekend. We, I'm so excited to talk about it to you because we have no idea. This is something, once another inside baseball thing. We do not tell each other what we think of things before we start recording. So it's completely, yeah. I have no idea. Don could love this movie. He could hate this movie. I have no idea how our conversation is going to go because we just, for whatever reason, decide not to tell each other ahead of time. <laughs> so I'm super excited to find out what he thought. But I want to make sure to thank everybody for hitting us up on Twitter. Make sure you like, subscribe, and follow this show on all podcasts and social media services. If you want to join the conversation, hit us up on Twitter at RaiseTheGeek. Or shoot us an email over at raisedageek at gmail.com. We appreciate all of the love and support we get from the geeks out there. <laughs> yeah, thanks, geeks. <laughs> you the best. <laughs> thanks, geeks. <laughs> all right, John. That's all out yes. of the way. I'm, I'm okay. here to talk about the Eternals. This is our official review of the Eternals. We are going to mm -hmm. do things a little bit differently for everyone out there is we are going to do a spoiler-free section. So the opening of this podcast will be spoiler-free. We will not dive into anything. We will give you full heads up. And after the break, we will then dive into spoiler territory. So you're going to get a little bit of all of it. So if you haven't seen Eternals yet, don't run away. Don't run away yet. You can still listen to us, if you're, especially if you're on the fence of whether or not, because this is a very device, divisive film. As, as we're currently looking at the tomato meter and now reviews are starting to come out and audience reactions, it's a very divisive movie. And if you're confused, maybe we can help you out. Maybe we can't. Maybe we're going to be divisive on it as well. And you're still going to be confused, but hopefully you'll have fun while you're confused. <laughs> That's having fun while you're confused is like a nice balance. At least you, you're having fun while you don't know what's going on. So we're here for you guys. We're here for you. Hopefully, hopefully we'll see how this shakes out. Because once again, I don't know either. But Don, set us up. What is The Eternals? Okay, The Eternals, 2021 Marvel Studios. And it's <clears throat> coming from director Chloe Zhao, who is an Oscar-winning director. Um, she wasn't before she made this movie. She won, her, she won her Oscar after making this movie for Nomadland. Um, but it was a pretty big deal that she what, that why don't, you, why don't you talk about your experience with Nomadland? Oh God. <laughs> uh, 
So me and my wife were going to sit down to watch it. And I can't say whether Nomadland is good or bad, but I don't know because I fell asleep immediately. <laughs> I still haven't seen Nomadland. I love Francis McDormand and I hope to maybe watch it someday, but I haven't seen it. But anyway, she is a um, well thought of director, very much respected Academy Award winner. Mm hmm. Uh, this is her movie, Eternals, and uh, the synopsis of this movie is the Eternals, a race of immortal beings with superhuman powers who have lived secretly on Earth for thousands of years, reunite to battle the evil deviants. So that's just this movie kind of in a nutshell. The Eternals are, you know, a Marvel property created by Jack Kirby, one of the <clears throat> original big names from Marvel Comics. And uh, their first appearance was in the Eternals number one back in July 1976. So these guys have been around a long time. This movie stars, I'll run through the cast list real quick for those who don't know. We've got Selma Hayek as Ajax, <clears throat> uh, Don Lee as Gilgamesh, Richard Madden as Icarus, Kumail Nanjiani as Kingo, Gemma Chan, Cersei, Bera or Barry, excuse me, Barry Keoghan as Druig. Angelina Jolie is Thena. That's somebody everybody knows. Uh, Leah McHugh, Sprite. Lauren Ridloff is Makari. Brian Tyree Henry plays Fastos. And then you've got Kit Harrington as Dane Whitman. And <clears throat> one that you might not know just watching this movie, but Crow who is the deviants, like the leader of the deviants is voiced or played by Bill Skarsgård, which I found, found kind of interesting because we didn't know that going into this movie. Um, so that's pretty much a cast It's a big cast. So this is an ensemble huge movie. Cast, yeah. Huge cast. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Probably one of the bigger casts for a Marvel MCU film that you can really think of. I mean, a lot of these movies have big casts, but this is one where it's like an origin movie usually doesn't have this many people in it. Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of a first a change for for them. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's the that's the cast. And, and to, Eternals, back, man. to step back into like Chloe Zhao's thing, like when you're saying this is a Chloe Zhao movie, like she actually went and pitched this movie to Kevin Feige mm -hmm. and Marvel like this is more than i mean she gets writing credits this is her movie you know she directed it she wrote it it is you know it's adaptation of the comic book from jack kirby but like this vision what we got was you know what she wanted as far as i'm aware i never heard of anything about studio interference or anything like that it seemed like they were very excited to step off the beaten path with this film which i know is kind of what we've stepped into now as we kind of pushed through this week and watched everyone was obsessed with the tomato meter over on rotten tomatoes and seeing how low will this movie go and it definitely became very de divisive as we watched mm -hmm. critical reviews really tank this movie and basically take it all the way down to you know i think what it's would be what would be considered now. It took it down to what will be considered a rotten score yes the last first, i saw it was the like... first of the mcu it's 48 right now Yes. Um, before we get into what we felt about the, the movie, I do want to comment on the Rotten Tomatoes aspect of it a little yeah. bit. So 15, we're, we're saying 59% of Rotten Tomatoes and it quote unquote like tanked the movie. I think that it being tanked will be yet to be seen because the numbers, we'll have to wait and see what the numbers of the box office return is. Yeah. But it yeah. definitely put a taste into people's mouths of 
uh, negativity, I would say. I think tomato, rotten tomatoes, as much as people love to, um, you know, reference it and quote it in movies, I think it's bad for movies, man. I really do. I, there's movies on that are rated quote unquote fresh is what they call it when they get like a certain score on there that I hate. And then there's also movies that are quote unquote rotten that I love. So I've learned throughout the year, like years, I don't know, but you know, over time in recent time that I don't pay rotten tomatoes, any attention, like it doesn't affect my excitement or anticipation of seeing movie in the least like people hated man of steel on there and i think that's the best dc movie that there is like best dceu movie that there is and they loved the last jedi on rotten tomatoes and i hate that movie (laughs) so it's like um i just don't let that play into my thinking when i'm going to see a movie and i just i hate that there's all these opinions out there and people are just like quoting, well, this is what this guy said about it. So it's bad. Like, I just want people to go see the movie for yourself and like, be your own, be your own reviewer, be your own critic and just like what you like and don't care what, you know, you think the general public thinks of a movie. Am I? You're a hundred percent right. I, yeah, I did give it very little stock. I'm curious with it. Sometimes I'm like, why, if anything, sometimes when it starts tanking, if anything, it, piques my interest a little mm. bit more because i'm like wait why is this like this the other thing that you need to do is you need to actually look through some of these reviews because some of these critics might be saying oh this that and the other but you might not agree with that you know or you might read a, an excerpt from one of these rotten reviews and then you might go wait i don't care about that or that sounds cool or you know right. just because this it is just a person's yes their job is to review movies but it's still just their opinion. And there could be so many things that get in the way. What if someone was coughing behind them the whole movie and they were worried about catching COVID and they were too busy being distracted and they didn't grasp things in the movie? What if they saw something on the screen that offended them? What if they, you know, saw, you know, I mean, there's so many variables because we are human and we all have our opinions and they just get paid for their opinions. Um, So, I mean, you can't, you got to make your own opinions. I mean, listen, like I said, listen yeah. to us, see what, you, see what we say. You don't, I mean, don't take our word for whatever we say we think about this movie. Go check it out. It's always worth checking out a big movie like this. Yeah, definitely. You, you nailed it. Is a, a review is just someone's opinion. Now, whether you trust that person's opinion, that's, a, that's one thing. So if you do trust someone's opinion and you let that sway your viewing of seeing the movie, that's totally up to you. But I just, I hate like the consensus that like, well, this movie's, bad because we all say it is or this movie's good because we all say it is and people let that like make them not see a movie if it, if anything about any movie interests you just go see it no matter what people say that's all i'll say well and it took it took the it took the conversation this week because every news outlet decided to like pile on to that idea of how bad this movie is and then you had a lot of other people with different agendas from different sides all wanting to then pile on to that news into their own which then spun out into its own thing so i mean the whole negativity based around this movie took a whole life of its own that just kind of consumed you know the the conversation for the week which was kind of a shame because i think that it does ruin their opinion before or you know ruin their their chance to see this movie yeah we're in totally agreement there so it kind of took a life of its own like you said and, and and just um took away from the movie itself and just became more of a 
however you want to say it, a conversation about, you know, politics or, or inclusion or whatever, whatever people, whatever soapbox people are standing on and wanted to make this about that, that just kind of feels like a shame. Like you said that I just wish people would go see it if you thought it looked cool and don't let any of that influence you. But hopefully all you guys listening out here aren't of that mindset and are, um, you know, wanting to watch this movie, good or bad, just to find out for yourself, find out if you think it's good, if you think it's bad. And then let us know what you thought. Exactly. Because I want to know what more, I'm so invested in what people think about this movie now. (laughs) Just because so much of it just doesn't make sense to me, but we'll get into it. Okay, definitely, definitely. First, we got to tell you guys about what we thought of this movie. Now, after we just got done telling you not to think about what other people say, we're going to tell you what we think. <laughs> yeah, I want you to know what we think, but I don't want uh, what we think to influence your thoughts on seeing it or not. You should see it either way. I say, especially if you're a Marvel fan, you're gonna go see this movie one hundred percent. Do it. Just do it. Yeah, I thought Black Widow was gonna be bad. I thought it was pretty bad, but I still was gonna see it. <laughs> You know what I mean? I was going to see it one way or another. That's how I am with this whole world. I'm an MCU fan. Um, you know, love it or hate life. it. So for life, I'm, I want to see life. where the story goes. So I'm, I'm in for all these movies, dude. Absolutely. Well, we aren't here for all the movies. We're here to talk about the Eternals, Don. Oh, yeah. So still spoiler free. Who's going first? <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't flip a coin on this one. We did not flip a coin. First um why don't you go first man you go first this time i've gone first a few different times you're the host with the most but i want to hear your opinions and then i will tell you why you're wrong yeah you're probably (laughs) going to i have a feeling this is this is gonna shift the conversation in one way or another all right well i will let you know my excitement my hype for this movie was low it's it's a world that i'm not familiar with i've not you see the trailers and I don't know really what's going on. You say some words. Yeah. I, a deviant sounds familiar. Cool. I don't know what, you know, I mean, it doesn't, nothing springs to mind. These aren't characters that I'm so excited to see on the big screen. And then we had a week of complete, you know, disarray in what this movie even is. And we had lots of reviews coming out, talking about it being bloated, boring, different. This is different than the MCU does. And that's bad. And I don't know where that comes from. So many different things. So definitely was very confusing. It made me, it actually almost hyped me up for the movie more than I was originally hyped for. I think if we didn't have the week we had, and we were planning on talking about on this podcast, this is probably one that I could have, especially with this reaction, I could have been like, eh, wait for video. I'm cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went to see it opening weekend. And you did? I did. I did. And uh, dude, I loved this movie. I thought it just was so opposite of what so many of the critical things said. And I'm trying to think of now how to talk about this spoiler free. But I thought, I mean, I enjoyed the cast. I enjoyed the, I thought Chloe Zhao directed a movie that was big, but still intimate. Mm-hmm. And was able to kind of hit a lot of beats that a MCU and a Marvel movie doesn't like to hit. It is no nowhere close to a perfect movie. And I'm sure I can easily go into the flaws of this movie because there are some, but we'll save that for a little bit later in the conversation. 
Um, but I was entertained by it. I really was nervous about the two hours and 37 minute runtime, but I really felt the movie moved. I know there were lots of, it drags. I did not think it dragged. I thought everything outside of one part was moved really well with the story. I really, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Okay. I see the smile on your face. I know Don. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, man, I'll start by saying, I did not expect you to say that. I did not expect you to love this movie. I don't know why I didn't, but I just didn't. I thought you were going to tell me you hated it, and I don't know why. But (laughs) so my reaction for this movie is I have very mixed feelings, but for the most part, I agree with you. I did like it a lot. And the more I think about it, the more I like it. Leaving the theater, I thought that I did not like it, and I thought I liked, I thought I could think of more things that I disliked than I did like. But the more I thought about it, the more I liked, like I said, and this is a movie that like kind of sits with me. And I know that's a good sign because usually some of these movies don't sit with me and I don't think about them afterwards. I'm just like, Oh, that was something. And I move on to the next thing. But I saw this movie last night on Friday night and I've been thinking about it like almost all day today, like replaying some different things. Uh, that happened in it. I was like, man, that was good. That was a f- cool choice. That was a cool, different directorial choice that just I didn't think they could do in a movie like this. Like, we don't get that kind of thing in these capes movies, man. And some of the some of the choices they made uh, just really were impressive, like to me. So yeah, it's a different kind of storytelling than you get in a standard MCU movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, it just the stakes for this movie feel real. The like I said, the characters. I thought for for coming in here with ten characters for an origin story, for an ensemble, for having such a big cast that they had of all varying levels of like fame and fortune. I mean, we we saw also Suicide Squad. We know how mm. that went, you know. And I mean, that didn't come anywhere close to happening in this. I thought it was balanced. I thought there was so much stuff that didn't have to work that did and like i said i do have my my gripes which we'll get into but like i said i thought i was i was pleasantly surprised at how well this movie worked yeah i I agree with you and and my main thing when i say mixed feelings is i agree with you that there are plenty of things that didn't work this is not a perfect movie by any means but you know what is a perfect movie there's flaws i think in everything and we will talk about the flaws but uh my main thing was like this was a movie that I feel like that was marketed to be an MCU movie that didn't feel like an MCU movie. And it didn't feel like an MCU movie at some points, but then there's some points where I was watching it where I'm like, okay, I'm watching a Marvel movie and this feels like a total just Marvel movie. And it kind of fell back into those, that Marvel formula a little bit. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Cause like I said, in the offset, I am an MCU fan. And I like all these movies, but you did, you did, I did at least for me feel like it fell a little into the formulaic MCU formula towards the end, especially uh, in the third act. But I don't know if that's bad or good. You know what I mean? Like I went to this movie to see a superhero movie that was different and it was different, but at sometimes I was like, well, am I just watching like another team team up Avengers movie now at this point? Yeah. And this, this movie, you could take Marvel studios off the top of this movie and you would never know it. They're, they're very only fleeting references to the MCU as a whole. It's for the most part, really self 
containing it's its own thing there are a lot of passing around of a certain interview that happened back in two years ago while they were still filming where a producer talked about oh we want to make this self-contained and we're not gonna you know there's no guarantee we're going to do sequels we think this movie stands on its own and we want to do this thing now of course that's being reworked and people are saying this producer's saying it now and the movie's so bad they're canceled the sequels already well that's that's all bullshit so when you see those titles just ignore it um, because I, I read one article, they were like, this interview we did two years ago with this producer. And then I read another article that said, oh, this producer just gave an interview and this is what he said. And you're like, yeah, no, that interview was from two years ago. Here it is. You can watch it. So, I mean, there is definitely a, uh, a, like a self-contained nature in this movie. And I really feel even for we've talked about multiple times with movies with like third act problems that the MCU has where and I thought this one handled the third act almost the best. Mm-hmm. like yes they had their cgi stakes and you know of course where you know an mcu movie is going but i thought they handled it so much more nuanced and like had it in a way where it was still like this movie was about these characters and their decisions and the fate of them and it's still like i said it made everything big around it but then made everything intimate, as I said earlier. And I think that's just the the magic of this movie is being able to take an, an MCU, take an Avengers-like movie and make us care about these characters. And yeah, we all, you know, cried when Tony Stark died at Endgame, right? Spoilers. So, yeah, spoilers for that, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, just like, kidding. Just I, know, kidding. I was thinking about that as I was saying it, but we all, but I mean, that was 20 movies of MCU and attaching to that character, you know? So, I mean, would that have happened if they would have done that in Iron Man one? Who knows? No, not at you all. Know? So I thought that they did a good job in this movie of just having the stakes and showing these characters and making even these big world, you know, ending whatever catastrophes or moments speak, you know, so much for what it means to these characters and you know that was i think just something that seems to be overlooked in this in reading through like descriptions of this movie it is man the some of this i've i've even said the strongest points of this movie the greatest strengths of this movie i felt like were um the connections you felt between the characters and like the emotion that was conveyed and that's very hard to do in a origin movie especially yeah, like yeah. think back to movies we liked. We talked about Shang Chi, and we like Shang Chi a lot. I can tell who's supposed to like who in that movie, and who's supposed to have connections. But I didn't necessarily feel it. Like no, this I'm cast, like, you felt they felt like yes. a family. They felt like exactly. they cared. They felt like you know there were stakes. You felt every action sequence. There were consequences. Every you know, I mean, it was like you felt for these characters and this cast did such a good job of showing that and doing yeah. that. And that's not something you get in MCU movies. You know, usually it's, it's popcorn. Yeah. It's fun. I'm not hating on it. It's like you said, yeah. it's formulaic. They've made billions of dollars, if not more, you know? So, I mean, obviously it works and we're here for every one of them, but I just, I agree with you. Yeah. And I'm with you. I feel that this is, can best be described as like a family drama. Uh-huh. It's almost like a family drama, but just with superpowers and, you know, and, and they had to tell this story over 7,000 years of these characters supposedly being around. And I felt like they did a good job of conveying that, but also the going back and forth between time, like, you know, we're back to present day and then we're back to learning a little bit more about these characters and this and that. I felt there was a good balance there. Mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> and it being such a big cast and 10 characters you have to get through, which seems like a very daunting task to do. And it is like characters can get lost. I felt like everyone kind of got their due yeah, a little bit. Like there wasn't anybody who was completely forgotten. And that does happen in these huge movies. Like there's characters where you brought up in Avengers and Endgame and Infinity War, where there's some characters in there who barely got even touched, but you know, they wanted them to be in the movie, but like, well, you didn't do anything with this guy. He was just kind of off in the background. This movie, I felt like embraced everybody enough, enough. I mean, definitely there is some who got more screen time than others and got more stuff um you know they were more central to the story everybody kind of got their due enough where like i'm sitting there like i know everybody's name i can't believe i remember everybody's name in this movie because everybody's in this enough when you get introduced to 10 new characters and 10 new character names i'm like i'll never remember all these but i'm sitting there like oh that's kingo that's fastos and i and i was worried about that in the beginning of the movie because they started throwing around names and i'm like what is going on <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. but yeah like halfway through i'm like they they did it just it was written in a way where you just knew who the characters were and you cared about every one of them and yeah every one of their names you remembered what it was whether or not it was just the soap opera effect that they said it so many damn times if you count it maybe <laughs> right. someone could right. tell us do a counter out there of how many times everyone said everyone's name but yeah. uh, how many times did they say Icarus? Probably a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the fact and, uh, and I, it's so crazy because you had the, the Game of Thrones boys in this movie. You know, you mm. had King Stark. King, Kings of the North. Kings, Kings of, the, of North. the North. You know, you had Rob Stark and Jon Snow who were there. And then they're kind of in this movie. And then you have another character, uh, the main, basically the main character's movie is named Cersei. So it's right. just this weird Game <laughs> of Thrones like thing when they're talking you have rob stark going cersei and i'm just like wait right that's funny what am i watching <laughs> what did he say where's a oh god i was trying to think of the little king boy's name the little asshole kid her cersei's son never mind joffrey, I, joffrey. where's joffrey which where's one's joffrey? named joffrey yeah that's if this movie was missing anything it was joffrey <laughs> all right yeah i'm uh I, i'm i'm I, I feel weird that we feel the same way but i could have sworn man i was gonna have to convince you that it was better than you thought but you liked it so that's... yeah i did i really did okay. and i'm ready to dive into why i liked it in full spoiler mode the last thing i'm gonna say here in the spoiler free unless don's got something else is i think too the trailers for this movie is extremely weak the trailers are just kind of there they just kind of exist and I don't think they do a good job of letting you know what this movie is, which I think is a good thing. But if these trailers, if you're if you're one of those people that sat out there and be like, those trailers suck, that movie looks like nothing, whatever. It's just Superman flying around, whatever. I can guarantee you that trailer, almost everything happened in the first like 10 minutes of this movie. Mm-hmm. They couldn't show you, they can't show you what this movie is without spoiling everything. So the marketing for this movie, in my opinion, was extremely weak, but watching it, I was extremely grateful for that because I had no idea what was coming. And when I realized the majority of the action sequences that they showed in that trailer weren't the opening scene, I was like, oh, what's about to happen here? And I loved that. And so if you are one of those people that are sitting out there just going, hey, those trailers look bad, they look bad for a reason. And don't let that sway you of this movie either, because I think there's a lot more for it to offer than those trailers showed and i like i said they did that on purpose because if you show any action sequences from later the whole movie's given away yeah and i don't know if that's a good thing or it's good for us because we wanted uh, we saw it and we we reaped the benefits of that 
But if people aren't going to see this because of that, it feels like bad for them. Like, I'm sorry for them that they're not going to give themselves a chance to go see it. It also kind of feels like Marvel hasn't put as much promotional effort into this one as some previous movies. Like I was seeing Shang-Chi on every commercial break of every show I was watching for, you know, a month. And it feels like I haven't seen too much of Eternals out there. And that's a shame because, you know, that on top of the Rotten Tomato stuff, it just kind of seems like a movie that I think people would enjoy if they were given the opportunity or, or given the, you know, had in their mind they were going to see it no matter what. So I hope people do go see it and, and kind of form their own opinions and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think the story of how this movie is going to be received is not going to be written for a while. Yeah, I think there's legs to that story as to where we go now that fans have seen it. Because if you do look on Rotten Tomatoes, right now the audience score is 84% versus the critic score of 48. So there's definitely right. something that's not hitting. But then they also said that the cinema scoring grade, I forgot what they called it, disintegrate or whatever, is sitting at like a B, which supposedly is super low. So I'm I'm curious but i think we're going to need to dive into spoiler territory before we can try to fully diagnose or figure out why this movie isn't hitting for everybody and what those draws are and that is what don and i are about to talk about stick around we are going to go full spoilers during our review of the eternals but before we do we want you to know that this podcast is sponsored by anchor.fm all right spoilers spoilers from here on out don and i are going to continue our eternals review starting right now full on spoilers last chance to pause it and go see the movie but keep us paused don let's talk spoilers the eternals we both now just said we really both enjoyed this movie so this is how this conversation is going to go a little bit more lovey than don expected it to be <laughs> so. yeah man i expected us to debate a little bit and I and and but we we're not going to really it doesn't sound like too much. We'll both just kind of gush about it a little bit. But that being said, there is still some issues with this movie. I think that we can address. Like you even said, it's not a perfect movie. I don't, I don't think it was a perfect movie either. There are issues in there, but for the most part, as we just talked about before the break, I thought it was really good, man. I really enjoyed myself um, just visually. It was great. Um, I loved when Captain America came back as like the king of the Eternals. <laughs> didn't Just see kidding. that coming. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, that didn't happen. No, but that brings me to like, I love that it kind of felt separate from the rest of the MCU in that way, where it didn't need such a connection to the other movies, even though, like you said, there was a little things. We've seen it even in the trailer when they talked about Thanos' snap uh thanos is talked about here and there and you know they mentioned the avengers in a trailer and that that was just like trailer talk they kind of had to put that in there for people to know like hey i'm watching an mcu movie but for the most part i feel like this movie just stood on its own as a you know a property that you can just enjoy without having to have falcon fly in like it's ant-man or or have you know at the end of shang chi even at the end of shang chi which we loved you had to have Captain Marvel show up and, and Margaret Ruffalo show up to remind you that you're watching a Marvel movie and kind of keep it. But there's themes in this movie where you know you're watching an MCU movie, but it stood on its own. It didn't feel like it. Exactly. It didn't feel like it. And that is refreshing, man. That is super refreshing. Like, 
I just had so much fun with it. And and you introduce things that are very important to uh, the Marvel universe, like the Celestials are a huge part of Marvel comics. And I love the way they brought them into this movie. Like, dude, I can't believe them to us. I can't believe I just, for whatever reason, had no idea that they were going to do the Celestials full on that the way that they did. Like, I just figured that we were going to get some weird amalgamation of it. Sorry, I, I got excited. You can keep. Going. No, yeah, I'm no, <laughs> like, kind of go, go with that. Man. No, like, I just, cause... I couldn't believe that they full on went with like, oh, the Celestials and impregnating planets and you know the emergence and just the full-on just scale of what like world-ending catastrophic scale that this movie went in with the celestials like i said impregnating planets and that's how celestials are born (laughs) i just figured i mean i know that's how it's done in the comics but i was really not thinking that i figured they were going to have some weird hollywood movie way of doing something but they went full-on with you know celestials are like this is how we're born and this is what happens and we need to destroy earth because yeah. it's time for us to have another celestial and that just i just couldn't believe it i don't know why yeah. i just couldn't they just they she really chloe's out really just swung for the fences with that one yeah. with that idea like she came up with this like you said like you even talked about a little bit before she pitched this movie to kevin feige so she came up with what was going to happen in this and you know reading the eternals i'm sure she saw all about the celestials and like i'm just totally gonna lean into this idea of the celestials and it's huge and it's thinking really big it's thinking bigger than you know street level captain america and and falcon fighting gangsters i'm going huge with this and like taking the mcu into different places that 10 years ago we didn't never thought we'd get to this point in a movie that you'd get you know celestial like world destroying celestials so that's great i loved that and everything pretty much that was just introduced in this movie just felt fresh to me like new ideas and and people talk about the mcu and how they feel about it and you have people who like well i want an mcu movie that's not so you know just like all the other ones i watched and then we finally get one and people are like shitting on it a little bit. It's Some too people, different. What? it's too different. I want it to be different, but not too different. It's like, well, what do you, you gotta, you gotta like draw some line in the sand here. Then you want it to be different. You don't want to just watch Iron Man 10 different times. But then when something finally is presented to you, you have all these other problems with it. I don't know. We can get there later. Well, like, and what I'm confused about is I thought this movie was laid out and explained exceptionally well for the dense content matter that is in this i mean even the monologue there explaining what the celestials was it made sense there was no confusion you know but i've read reviews where people are like i don't know what this movie was about i'm like what how do you not know what this movie was about (laughs) it was openly like monologue to you they told you exactly what the movie was about so did you just miss that like how do you not know and that's what i'm confused about is i thought that this was extremely well explained in this movie mm-hmm. and i just thought it was super cool i don't know how it's missing the mark in no i do i do too i agree with you for like unknown characters and such a large large cast like i did not feel lost or confused at any time yeah um, maybe only the opening but outside of that 
when I could before I knew who any characters were, or if it felt very X many in the opening where people mm-hmm. just had powers and I don't know what anyone's powers are. So I'm like, are you just making up powers for this situation? Or it just seemed very, cause I didn't know these characters. So you're just like, okay, what is your power? Now, when we got halfway through and I realized, okay, this is what each one of these people's powers are. And yeah, that, that is what they were only sticking to their powers. But at first it seemed like very x many where it was like, oh, this is the action sequence. So we're going to have someone that could do this and someone that could do this and someone that could do this and we'll get out of it, you know? And it's just, everything seemed very convenient in the opening, but yeah. like I said, but it, they didn't go back on that as the movie progressed which was cool yeah and that opening scene as you said was all laid out for you in the trailer mm-hmm. but it kind of got expand expanded upon and i really liked that opening scene a lot because it was an introduction to these guys and what they could do one of the things i liked the most about this movie was that it was a team that finally feels like a cohesive team unlike you know said it but like avengers or other things like that that just kind of seems like a collection of individuals who are kind of all doing their own thing but this team this team of Eternals to me felt like a team that had been fighting together and learned how to complement each other's abilities to the best way possible. Yeah. It's even there. That's why I like the X-Men so much. And I like the X-Men cartoons and X-Men comics and everything. Cause they work to get like their whole thing is we're a team. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to do this so you can do this. And we're going to combine like their powers, just complement each other. Yeah. And that's really what I liked about this. Like watching garden guardians of the galaxy or something. It's like a ragtag team of guys who just get brought together and he's going to be over here doing this. And she's going to be over here doing this. And they're just kind of whatever, like a, a superhero team that really feels like a well-oiled machine to me. I like have always enjoyed that for years ever since, you know, I love the X-Men and that's what they do. And being unfamiliar with the Eternals, I wasn't sure, but like that, they kind of had that feel to me. Yeah, they felt like um, a family. They felt like individuals exactly. that were together for 7,000 years. Right. You know, when you're saying that 7,000 years, you have to think of what is that relationship when you're with someone for 7,000 years look like. And I thought they did a good job of caring about each other to that point. Yeah, that's that's where Chloe Zhao's writing really comes in here. We had scenes in this movie that were emotional to the level and just like grabbed you to the same level that any family drama or anything would the same exact way. And this was in an MCU movie. Like some of the d- dialogue delivered by especially the scenes where they were arguing about something when you had the whole team gathered and they disagreed on something, the interaction between characters to me was like something I haven't seen in an MCU movie before or any superhero movie. It's just like, damn, this is some engaging stuff. Like, what am I watching that when I don't know, man, I don't know if you felt that way. Just like the delivery of lines, especially from the guy who played Druig, Barry Kogan. He was great in this. Like we can go through which characters we liked, but that dude was great. And just like his whole attitude and the way he would deliver lines. And he was like the angry one in the group and for good reason. And, and just the way you could tell they'd been together so long, they know he's the one who's going to get mad. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just kind of the way they played off each other throughout the whole thing. I just really enjoyed it. And I was just as entertained by those scenes than by the big action pieces, which were great too, you know, visually stunning. I love that this was filmed in real locations and not just on a green screen. You could really tell you that can. kind of care that she put into it. But yeah, man, I enjoyed those quiet, dramatic scenes just as much as the action. The only thing that I think this movie didn't need, if you were going to shave time off of this movie, the only thing I can think of is the super deviant. Okay. Pro. I don't think, yeah, if that's what his name was. Um, <laughs> I don't think he was necessary to any portion of this plot. 
you could have done everything with just a regular deviant. You didn't have to make him talk. You didn't have to mutate him. He really didn't even need to steal anybody's powers. He, he didn't need to be what he was because ultimately I didn't care about it. And he was where you started to get a little bit more MCU-y. Um, because even when we're sitting on the beach at the end and we're getting ready to do this like big final battle, I'm thinking, well, Super Deviant's still out there. Mm-hmm. Is he going to crash this too? Like, is that going to be weird? And then all of a sudden he came walking up the beach. I'm like, there he is. Yeah. So it it just and then then even when you know he's getting his fight with Thena, I understand her connection to that and her with revenge and blah blah blah. But it still just kind of wasn't much of a fight and just wasn't like just kind of went and it was cool. And I'm not I'm I'm grateful that it was short and not long and drawn out and handled the way that it was. But I don't think that it was needed in this movie because I think there was bigger and better things going on around it. Yeah, I agree with you on the deviants kind of thing about it and Crow, the whatever you want to call him, Deviant Prime. He did seem a little unnecessary and they weren't too interesting to me. For the most part, it was just kind of like monsters, just monsters. And they even the look of them is just kind of run of the mill, what you would think of as being an alien monster creature in any movie. Yeah. So there was nothing too crazy about them. I mean, they are very important to the story as it was laid out like, the deviants are here because of the celestials sent them to earth to cleanse apex predators to make sure a world gets populated so that a celestial can be born. But then the deviants started transforming and evolving and killing the people on the earth or killing people on planets that the celestials need to populate the earth. So now the eternal's job is to call the, deviant the deviants it gets very confusing when you say it but it made sense while i was listening to it <laughs> yeah it made sense while i was watching the movie so they are important to the story but oh, they yeah. were kind of they were kind of done in a way it was just like they felt almost like secondary to me you could have done um, i was fine with the deviants i loved them in this movie i thought the scenes with them were cool it was just you didn't have to have a super one you didn't have to have one mutate into half human half you know deviant you didn't have to have him talk and like have the fight at the end of the movie. It just was all unnecessary for this, this film. And since we're now in spoiler territory, we can talk about it. The deviants were shown not to even be the true villain of the movie, which brings me to another point that I really liked about this movie is a twist that you don't really see coming throughout this entire movie. We had this family feel of these 10 characters and their family throughout the entire thing. And Never, not since I want to say Civil War or anything have we had a rift between the team that felt so organic and real to me. Uh, basically, like in this movie, the Celestials find out what their true purpose is, and Earth is meant to be destroyed um, so a Celestial can be born. This is why the Celestials have sent them here. They find out that they uh, were lied to about their existence, and this is what they're really here to do. And they decide as a team, you know, they've been on Earth long enough for however many years, you know, since 5000 BC, that they've come to love Earth and the people in it and they don't want it to be destroyed. So they're kind of going against the Celestials. So this whole movie is kind of a gathering of all the Eternals. Finally, they've been apart for years and years and years. So we are kind of on this journey of them rejoining each other. And um, it seems like they all kind of have the same purpose. But at the end, or not even at the end, in the middle, we kind of find out that Icarus, who is, quote unquote, the Superman of this team uh, with super strength, flight and like laser eyes. That's his that's his deal. Shout Superman. But um, he's 
he's kind of falling in line with the celestials and he wants to go their route and he wants to embrace what their purpose has been this whole movie. And he's kind of been concealing it from them. And then the reason I'm bringing this up is because you don't really get many twists in MCU movies that kind of throw you for a loop. And I don't know about you, but I did not see that one coming. That was never like a thought in my mind that who is quote unquote, the, the star of this movie who we thought Icarus played by Richard Madden, you know, super Rob Stark, as you called him in a previous episode. Yeah. Um, I never thought he'd be like turn against them. You know what I mean? I thought that was great. I was like, man, I'm just so happy that I'm surprised by something because you didn't think something would cause a rift in the team like that. And I thought that was really cool. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, it was super cool. And I liked how it was handled. And I like that it ultimately came down to just what the information that they were giving everybody was handling it differently you know you had cersei who when she found out what they were created for which was basically to destroy earth ultimately and they've done it thousands of times over millions of years and they just keep having their memories wiped they're sitting there going she responded one way oh my god we can't do this i love earth i love humans we can't do this and then you had other people that didn't feel that way they were like hey this is our job this is what we're here to do and you know like i said when icarus learned that he was like, and, and Ajax, Selma Hayek character, she was very big on like, nope, she was on Cersei's side. Like, you know what? I love humans. I've seen a bunch of stuff that they've done. They deserve to live. And it's not her call in that situation, right. depending on. And that's what Icarus said. Like, nope, that's you can't do that. So he took over. Just a curveball was that Ajax basically picked Cersei to be the next leader and not him. Because if he was going to be mm-hmm. the next winner leader, he was never going to tell anybody. They were just going to exactly. continue on what they were doing. And I just think, you know, but he wasn't the only one, you know, Sprite felt the same way and said no. And she had her reasons, you know, then they were justifiable reasons as to why she would want to get off of earth and move on with her life. You know, so it was, it wasn't just like, Hey, I'm turning bad because I need to turn bad because that's the plot of the movie. He had a reason and it made sense. You know, it it came down to his decision of what he wanted and what he thought was best. And it just didn't align with, the rest of the teams and does that make him bad Depends, right can you, you cons- can you really consider him the villain of the movie he just kind of did what he thought was right and that just went against a lot of the other ones so he's presented as a villain but is he really like if he returns somewhere in the future and does some noble shit like are we going to look at him as like a villain turned bad or just a guy who had his convictions uh the whole time and, and was going to do whatever it takes yeah i mean you might kind of because he was responsible for ajax death and just you know but he just was looking at i'm a eternal this is what i'm here to do this is what we're all here to do and you can't let your feelings for this um the human race who we're not even a part of get in the way of that so us as viewers we're rooting for the eternals and also we're earthlings we're human beings so we're going to be on that side but really yeah you make a good point like can he really be viewed as a villain or is he just a guy who was doing what he thought was right in the end he he kind of just like went the other way because of it's a whole love story with Cersei and everything and and I just I don't know I thought that curveball was fun but something we don't really get but he ultimately yeah he had a he had a small small window to stop her very small window to stop her and he hesitated to stop her before then she basically they unimined and she basically took all of their powers and you know melded if she would have had another second if that would you know i mean would he have stopped her you know so it's it's one of those things where it's like yeah he hesitated because he was he always loved her but 
that doesn't mean that he wouldn't have not done it if True. he didn't have another second to think about it. But I love that, you know, every, every one of these members of this team had to make that decision. Hey, are we going along with Cersei? Cersei made up her decision. Are we going along or are we going to go with Icarus? And I like that there were people who went with Icarus. I like that, but I like that you know who everybody, why everybody made the decision they made. Like this movie had that enough in there that you're able to know that Fastos, okay, he has a husband and a kid and he loves them and he wants to protect them. So he's going with Cersei because he wants to save Earth. Sprite, hey, I'm, I've been trapped in a 14-year-old's body for 7,000 years. This sucks. I need to get off this rock. That makes sense. Kingo just was like, fuck you guys, I'm out of here. <laughs> Yeah, um, he wasn't he, he wasn't even in the the final battle scene which kind of i th- thought was weird uh that he wasn't involved i don't know if maybe they just couldn't find a way to insert him correctly but he his character kind of said like i just don't want to be involved i can't go against the the celestials in this way yeah so he just kind of disappeared and didn't show up again until <laughs> the very end i was like oh man kingo would have been nice to have in there because i liked kingo a lot so yeah. i was hoping yeah. he would have been in there well, and I see in this, I have no idea if this is true because I haven't found backup, but I saw a YouTube comment, you know, that's where all good news comes from. But sure. they said that there was an interview somewhere or some reworking of the movie where when he jumped in front of uh, uh, Makari, when Icarus turned and got shot by the lasers, that that was supposed to kill him. And in the original oh. script, he was dead. But then as the character and they saw that they actually reshot him just leaving because they didn't want to kill him. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. I haven't found, I wasn't able to find confirmation or that anywhere else except for a YouTube comment. It sounds interesting. Whether it's true or not, who knows? That might make a little sense because his absence during the final scene was a little weird to me. I kept thinking like, where's Kingo? He's not even involved in this mind meld that they're all doing. And that seems like something they all should have been. Like it wouldn't have worked without him. So that's one thing I was like, where is the dude? So that honestly would maybe make sense. Maybe. And this could be interference from the, from Marvel MCU and then Kevin Feige watching this movie and being like, you can't kill him. This You can't kill him. We want him for things. We want him to be in, in something else and in the sequel and other MCU movies. We're kind of talking about the characters. And we, we said, we loved a lot of these performances and these individual characters. What were some of your standouts? If you could pick one or two, just like who really made this movie for you. And then when they were on screen, you just really loved what was going on. Uh, it was Karun. Uh, okay it was the dude's butler <laughs> Kingo's butler uh stole the show because he kept pulling cameras out every time <laughs> they did that that was hilarious and that was cracking me up when he was like they threw his camera and he he just was such a nice dude i love that dude every time he was on, dude he stole the screen when he was on screen they were like where are you getting all these cameras <laughs> yeah he, they kept getting smaller and smaller it was, yeah. just, it was just funny and even when uh kingo went and did that giant he went and did that super charge Adukin underneath. And then he yeah. just yelled. He was like, did you get that? And he heard, yes, sir. And I was like, dude, that's yeah. just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that was good. He was good. I thought he might be annoying at first, but he was, he was funny. Uh, um, anyway, but yeah, it's hard to, honestly, it's hard to really pick where people did. I thought, uh, you know, Richard Madden was just great as Icarus being a Superman clone. I did feel the need for some reason when he was fighting the deviant and decided to do the lasers in its mouth and kill it. I felt for some reason to yell in the theater, Godzilla did it first. I don't really know why (laughs) I just couldn't help myself. 
but I Godzilla did, did it first. Yeah. Put it on T-shirts. Yeah, I don't know why I did, but remember that Godzilla did it first because he did, and that was the first thing I thought of. And I was like, "Why are they doing that? Godzilla did it. You're not going to do it better than Godzilla." Yeah, yeah. Uh, What's up with these uh, guys who are like Superman with laser eyes? That's the same thing with uh, the Samaritan. What's his name on the, the boys? The main guy is it the Samaritan? Is that his name? Gosh, it's been a while since I watched the boys. People are yelling at me listening to this right now. Uh, the Utopian. Is it the Utopian? That's that's Jupiter's legacy. Damn it! You're right. Um, <laughs> I'm looking it up. You can keep talking about what you're talking about. But yeah, like that's their main thing is laser eyes. Like Superman does that in addition to a lot of different other things. But this guy's main thing is laser eyes. Homelander. Is laser- Homelander. Goodness gracious! Who's the Utopian? Um, <laughs> that's Jupiter's legacy. Oh right. What was the one, first one I said? The Samaritan. I don't even know where that came from. I don't know where that came from. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, I liked him a lot. I wrote down my favorites. I liked I liked them all in a way. Actually, no, I won't say that because I did not think they all worked. And that was um, some of my issues and we'll talk about it. But I really liked Kingo a lot. We just talked about Kingo. I thought Kumail gave a good performance and a comedic enough one in a movie that wasn't comedic. Like this movie went more for straight up, you know, dramatic thematic storytelling but for those few comedic breaks that you have to have in an mcu movie i thought he really delivered i just think that dude's funny as hell anyway and everything he does too and nothing was really laugh out loud but like the dude made me chuckle and he's just he just has a way of delivering lines to me that are really good so i really liked his character i liked his powers when he was involved i I loved the way he was doing stuff i liked makari a lot the speedster girl who is deaf uh her being deaf is awesome and important i think that that's like a first uh somebody with a disability kind of represented in that way i thought that was really cool and important but man her running around and and we have speedsters all throughout comic books you got flash you got quicksilver um and there's a bunch of other ones as well the guy in the boys we just talked about the boys there's a speedster in there so that's a common superpower but a lot of the stuff she was doing in here I thought to me looked the best on screen of any speedster that we've had. Yeah. I don't know if that's just me. No, it looked cool. Like, uh, she was a character I wish was in the movie more. She honestly, yes. I think was one of the characters that got the least attention. Yes. Um, and I don't know why. Right. She, but... she was, she was kind of treated as a side eternal, but she was, she, every time she was on screen, man, she really kind of delivered and, yep. and she did it without speaking, which is yep. very impressive, man. Like her, just the emotion she could convey just through, you know, signing and, and body language and everything. And the way she was represented in powers, I thought her fight at the end with her versus Icarus was like the best action of the whole movie. Like when she just was completely fearless against this guy who is like clearly the strongest eternal physically, Mm -hmm. but she didn't care, man. She just went straight at him and was running at him and just like, zipping around and punching him from different directions and he didn't know what to do with her i was like man this is so cool this is like if flash is fighting spider-man spider-man flash is fighting superman and doesn't care and just is risking it all uh but they did it in a way that i thought was really fun so i really like that character um and my favorite relationship there's a lot of relationships in this movie uh it comes down to relationships whether you're talking cersei and icarus or um fastos and his husband or or whatever i thought the most even um druig and makari had a great one i loved that i think that should be explored more in the future yes 
but I really liked Thena and Gilgamesh a lot. That relationship and their interaction with each other was some of the most like heartfelt, real love relationship that you could ask for in any one of these movies that we haven't seen and we have romantic relationships in all these mcu movies and superhero movies and this was not a romantic relationship this was just like the love between these two like him being like i'm gonna protect you and i'm gonna watch over you and you know we're not husband and wife or whatever i'm just someone who loves you and we've been around for years and years and this is how i'm going to care for you and then when when he goes down and just the emotion she felt from that that was like some real stuff man that really that really got me and i thought was the best representation probably of like straight up love in a mcu movie that we've had in a long time yeah when they say that this is you know that was one of the big things that all the reviews said hey you know this is the first love story of mcu it was, but it was Gilgamesh and Thena. Mm-hmm. And it's not the love that you're thinking. It's real love. Like, I mean, it right. was, I mean, yeah, the way that they acted that, you 100% believed it. It was devastating when Gilgamesh died. Um, him dying raised the stakes for every action sequence after. Because then you, once again, you're like, who? there's so many people in this movie, you can kill anybody. You're not, we're mm-hmm. not attached to anybody. Anything can happen in this movie. It raised the stakes. And then, like I said, Angelina Jolie doing her thing and selling it selling the pain making you feel it just i just thought was great and yeah it was the best relationship in the movie yeah it totally was and and not to mention thena was a badass character we kind of touched on angelina jolie and how you might think that this would be her movie and you said it when we were talking about this she just played her role Mm -hmm. she played her role but she played it in a way that was you know rememberable if yep. that's even a word, rememberable, but in memorable, for there's, me. no re, <laughs> there's no re before. It's just memorable. Yeah. She played it, you know, memorably memorable. <laughs> I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop trying to say this. Yeah. She, she played it really well and she delivered a lot of fun lines. Like she's just a badass man. Like when her and Icarus were finally going to go at it and he mm-hmm. was like, I don't, I don't want to fight you with Athena. And she was like, but I've been waiting for this or I've been waiting for this for a long time. I was like, Oh God, she's that so bad. That was badass. a good line. That was a good yeah. line. I always wanted yeah. to fight you. Yeah. Yeah. I always wanted to fight you. She said something like that. I was like, yes, this is great. Yeah. That was, I thought she did good and I, I liked her role and it was surprising to see her take that role and do as much with it as she did. Because like I said, you kind of want to look at sometimes these bigger stars and you just don't imagine them wanting a side role like that. But yeah. she, but because you had her in that role, she was able to bring a, basically a side supporting character so much more depth than anybody else would have brought i thought she brought credibility to it that i i think really made everything better yeah and she puts butts in seats man like usually not mine but yeah but just just people in general not not yours maybe but people in general i think um you know, Rotten Tomatoes hates the malignant movies, but audiences like them. They like Angelina Jolie. People just seem to like Angelina Jolie. And I I can't think of a ton of movies where I'm like, I hated her in it. She always does a pretty good job she's at fine. stuff. She, she's good. Um, and she was really good in this. I really liked yeah. it. Well, I agree. Yeah. I mean, honestly, there wasn't a weakness in this cast. Like you felt everything that everybody did. And I thought it was just a, an amazing ensemble that they put together for this movie. 
Yeah. And I did mention the only, I thought one didn't work too well and I hate to do it to her because she's a kid, <laughs> but Sprite didn't work really for me that mm-hmm. much, that well. Um, man, I, I don't, I don't want to be like a critique and be like that kid's a bad actor cause she's a kid, but some of her delivery and lines to me was just kind of like, all right, kid, you're here, whatever. But, uh, it's understandable. I mean, how many prodigy children actors can really hang in a, you know, big dramatic ensemble piece. Yeah. A child who's playing 7,000 years old and yeah. And actually now that I think about it, who is the star of this movie? I mean, they're all in it together, but really the star of the team is supposed to be Cersei Gemma Mm -hmm. and her, her, her character. I don't know about you, but it's just nothing about anything she did really spoke to me too much she just kind of seemed like one note she was the flattest she was a little flat okay i just wanted to make sure um she wasn't bad but just like i can look back at all the other characters performances and be like man they all gave me something something special for for at least a line or a minute and nothing from her i can really think back to was like wow that was a great cersei moment you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. She did okay. she did great with what her role was, but her role wasn't memorable. Right, right, right. Or big or needed to be. One quick question. Why would a celestial make an eternal death? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just it, it's just funny when you're just trying to think this through and they're like, well, you're trying to make these things. So wouldn't you imagine everybody being like Icarus, the perfect specimen you know? the yeah, perfect, perfect specimen. specimen of people well that's even the thing too like um i mean brian tyree henry who played fastos he's not a sculpted you know greek yeah. god he's a big dude uh there's a fun story out there going around that like when he got contacted by chloe Zhao, and she was like you know i'm making a movie i'm making a marvel movie it's a superhero movie i want you to come try out and be in it and he was like oh yeah that's awesome i'd love it, it was like he was like well how much weight do i have to lose and she was like, no, we want you exactly how you are. And he was like, dope. Right? Uh, That's awesome. But yeah, like, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they wanted to, maybe they wanted to just like them to be able to mix in. So they'd have to represent different groups and like, just look like not everyone gets to look like, you know, um, Thor or something yeah. or Icarus. But yeah, I mean, it's the same a, reason as why would they make a kid? You know, I'm not picking exactly. on why is one of them 14 years old? Why, why, yeah, why would you make for 7,000 years? And that's something she asked, like, why would I need to be this? Now, of course, once again, it probably is just a blendable um, thing, but it's just was just a funny thing. You're just like, huh, yeah, you would think you would want everyone to have their senses. <laughs> yeah, that's a funny point, man. But yeah, that's just I mean, that's nothing. That's just me being stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We can kind of get to um, some cons and some some things that were kind of drawn back. Uh, we didn't really talk too much about the third act yet. What did you think of the third act? And did it kind of, I don't know. I just want to hear your opinions on it because I know I have mine a little bit. So to me, the third act kind of hurt the movie, but that's also what MCU movies are kind of about. Like we talked about, I love Shang-Chi, but I think the third act hurt that movie in a yeah. way and kind of it fell a little bit. And I more or less think the same thing happened here, but I don't know. I wanted to hear kind of what you thought of it. Well, the problem with this movie, 
or at least like the third act or the, just the big giant idea of this emergence idea from a like just from a audience member is that you're not going to blow up the earth so right. a lot of like that tension wasn't there for me because you're sitting there just going well of course it's not going to emerge and i was curious of what they were going to do but I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't concerned about it as much. I was more concerned of maybe if anyone was going to die trying to mm. do it. I was also, I think, coming into this third act, there were a lot of conveniences of how stuff was working. Like, I just got the power, you know, to make it work. I thought it was the most contained of Marvel third acts where it wasn't super CGI battle, two armies, CGI armies fighting, or it wasn't, you know... It wasn't overboard, so I thought it was the cleanest of MCU third acts. But yeah, it, it becomes, like I said, I was having so much fun with the characters and what they were doing. It's like I didn't need it. You probably could have, mm-hmm. you could have, you could have scaled down a little bit, but also at the same time, you're trying to bring the Celestials thing. So, I mean, I thought it was one of the more solid third acts okay. that we've seen. I hear you. I Tell hear what didn't work. My, I just think we might see the, way it was presented visually different i was just very aware and when we're talking third act for those who've seen it which if you're listening now you've seen it the third act when it's basically icarus versus the eternals mm-hmm. um the other eternals like i already talked about i liked a lot of what they did when he was fighting makari that all looked great to me but a lot of the the punching sequences and him fighting hand-to-hand with people to me got very cgi video gamey like i felt like i was watching a video game at some points where it's like i know it's very hard to strike a balance between realism and cgi when you're using characters you know flying through the air and doing these huge flips and that comes along with comic book movies and you kind of got to accept that as as what you're going to see but it just didn't blend seamlessly enough for me and it kind of took me out of it a little bit at the end was like it's just too CGI. Like I love Black Panther, the movie Black Panther, but the final fight where he's fighting Killmonger and Black Panther fighting, it just looks like I'm watching a straight up video game and not even a good one. And and that's kind of the way I felt here at the end. And it kind of pulled back and 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 got to a more realistic look at parts, but I I thought that was a little off-putting. And that just could just be like Chloe Zhao's not used to you know, making superhero movies and, and, and that's not even probably true because a lot of these Marvel movies end up looking like this in the end where you just, everything just looks hokey. Yeah. It's it's just gets too busy. Yeah. It it just gets too busy. And I guess maybe that's every movie that is very CGI when you're having CGI huge fights in the sky and people are flying all around. We still haven't gotten to a point where it looks super realistic yet. So maybe this is just me screaming into the clouds, like angry old man. Like (laughs) I want it to look, I want everything to look real. Yeah. So that if, if I have any gripe with the third act, it's that, um, but it did work. I don't even remember. I remember Icarus picking up Druig and taking, Mm -hmm. I should have done this a long time ago and throwing him into the mountain. I thought that was cool. I yeah. liked him. I liked watching him do his super eyes and chop that spaceship in half. I thought that was cool. The hand to hand fighting. I only, for whatever reason, remember bits and pieces of it. So whether or not I spaced <laughs> and once again, because the fact that I can't remember, it probably doesn't scream the best for what it, what they were giving us. Yeah. Him going against Thena at parts out there and like 
Cersei and, and some other things just kind of just looks a little animated video game to me, but that's a small complaint. I just, and all these MCU movies fall into it. Yeah. So I guess that's my complaint about this Marvel studios movies in general. I just felt like this one had it, had that as well, but I don't know. It, it, it got us to where we needed to go. I loved that. It was the celestials, the celestial coming up out of the water and that was cool. And, and Cersei freezing it and holding it in place. And that is one thing we like about these movies is things carry over. I hope we see that again in future movies. Like they go, they go to the Indian Ocean, and that celestial is still sitting there with his hand up out of the water. Should be, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I loved, I loved the way it looked. Like it just because it was so big and it was moving so slow as it would, you know. And it wasn't like something that was moving fast. You could really look at it. It just reminded me of, and I know you didn't play it, so I won't go too far into it. But it reminded me of like the God of War video game, the new one, the 2018 one, yeah. Where that game just has visuals that are ridiculous, and they have just these things, these moments, and these things in the background that are just huge. And you see these things in the background and they're in the background of the game, like the whole time. And you're just like, that just looks ridiculous. And it moves real slow in the background. And it just reminded me of that game. And it just was so cool. And I really liked that. So like I said, for a third act, I thought this one was the, even though having super deviant come out and add his, you know, throw his hat in the ring here for this finale. I thought it was like I said, contained pretty decently and didn't get, too overwhelmed yes there were probably some cheesiness in the effects yeah everything just shook as i hit my microphone <laughs> yeah when super deviant came out thena made quick work of him anyway so which i was, was appreciative for i was <laughs> right i was like all right, it's long out. enough yeah don't drag him out too long let her just slice him up and be done with them which was cool but then it just became well then why did i why did you do this why was this why is this here yeah man what well, then we get uh-huh. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Please, please. You want it? Where were you? Well, I was just going to say, uh, I thought it was funny with the, the marketing of this movie, as we talked about a couple of times, is even in that trailer, they kind of reworked stuff because like they had that whole scene in the trailer where they're at the dinner table and they were all talking and they're like, well, who's going to lead the Avengers now? And Icarus is like, well, maybe I could lead them. And in the trailer, everybody laughs. And then when you're watching mm-hmm. the movie, he says it and they go, yeah, you'd be a great leader. And I'm just like, that's a completely <laughs> yeah. different scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I remember complaining about that in the Eternals trailer. Like, why does everybody laugh? I don't know who this dude is. Maybe he would be a good leader. And it's Rob Stark. And he would. And yeah. And then when you watch the movie, they're just like, you would be good. So I'm like, why did they? I mean, just to add, find humor. It's just, like I said, this trailer did this movie. No, no, no justice. Yeah, I agree with you. That was a worked out. That was a reworked scene. Um, did they ever say did they also ever say Eternals assemble in this movie no it's in the trailer though are you sure I'm I don't remember positive that. I swear I saw a trailer or a clip where where Icarus says Eternals assemble oh uh, I must have missed that one I'm glad I, I did I'm, that's I'm gonna try to find so. it when we're done but you know I could be maybe I dreamt it I don't know dreaming about yeah. Icarus there was a there were some few there was a few uh, callbacks to the MCU, but not many. We talked about a little bit that I liked that it was kind of separate, but just like some of the callbacks in here like that. And they mentioned Thanos a few different times. I found that stuff kind of interesting, but weird. I didn't think it really needed it, but you kind of, it's just kind of like a Marvel mandate. Do you think, do you think that too? Like, well, you got to talk about them a little bit to remind people. Um, 
that's kind of what it felt like. Those are the like, Easter but... eggs that us geeks want to see. We right. want to see how this connects. We want to see the posters on the wall talking about the blip. We want to hear the TV in the background where newscasters talking about this, that, or the other. We want to hear about Thanos. We want to know that all of these movies are connected one way or another. Yeah, I didn't feel like it stretched too far, though. I like more that what it feels like this is taking phase four into mm-hmm. than callbacks. You know what I mean? Like, not so much looking back as to what happened, but where we're going to go from here. Like, are the rest is the rest of the MCU going to be aware of what the Eternals have done now this day mm-hmm. and, like, save the Earth? Is that going to be brought up, you know, in these next movies we're going to watch? It has to. I mean, that's yes. too huge to be ignored. Right. Like a celestial was coming out of the ground and was about to devour Earth. That can't right. not be. That has to be addressed in something coming, doesn't if, it? Yeah, I would imagine. If not, then that was too big of a finale. <laughs> right. Then that, right. you shouldn't have had those stakes be that big. Uh, IGN yeah. has an article that they published that said, uh, yep, a Marvel's eternal... Marvel's Eternals will actually include the line Eternals Assemble. And they have a teaser trailer that was linked showing it. It says it happens at the 22nd mark of this 32nd thing of Icarus saying that. But that wasn't in the movie. Well, I never heard it in there. And that's a good thing because (laughs) that would have been super cheesy and probably something she did not want in her movie. So I'm glad it didn't make the final cut. Uh, But yeah, I found that. But they still put it out as promotional material. So yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, I don't know what the marketing team was trying to do with this movie. Me neither. And I mean, now that we're talking about connections to the MCU, we can kind of talk about the mid and credit, mid and post credit scenes if you want to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to me, these were both, and hopefully, being MCU fans, everybody stuck around to watch these. You know the deal now; you don't leave. Still to this day, whenever I see people getting up as soon as the movie's over, like, have you never seen one of these movies before? Do you not do you not know what's going yeah. on? Do you not know that there's more? Uh, it still boggles my mind that that happens. But let's talk about them. The the first mid credit scene. Tell me about it. What did you well, think we, about it? Well, we ended this movie with yeah. Well, we got to talk about how it ended first. We got to talk yeah. about how it ended because we basically after they froze the celestial from being born, which I cannot remember its name. Um, it starts with an A. I don't remember it either. Yeah. But uh, after they stopped him from being born, then we're sitting there with like half of the Eternals decided they're going to go into space and try to find other Eternals and tell them the truth and basically start a war against the Celestials is what I assume. And then we jumped back to uh, Kit Harrington, what's his name, Dane and uh, Cersei, who was, you know, in a romantic relationship. And she's sitting there saying, you know, hey, you know, now these are all my secrets. And then he's like, well, I have one for you. And then the clouds parted and homeboy, the giant celestial was in the sky, which looked <laughs> awesome as hell. Yeah. Um, that just looked so cool of him just like in the sky in space, but you could see him from the ground. That thing is huge. And uh, basically he just grabbed the Eternals that were still on earth and pulled them up. And they said, Hey, you guys, you know, I mean, you could tell that dude didn't have a face and you could tell he was pissed. And <laughs> yeah, like, you pissed me off is basically what you, you pissed did. me off. And then he was like, well, we're going to 
see, you know, what did he say? He said something along the lines of you decided that earth was worth saving. Your actions are going to prove whether it's true. And I will be back to judge them and then took them and disappeared and Mm -hmm. left Dane standing there going, what the hell? And kind of ended the movie and you're like oh shit and that's when i knew that those producers comments of saying this is this movie we don't we don't see we're not planning for sequels i'm like yeah you're full of shit because this was clearly (laughs) set up for a sequel and 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 all the way at the end of the movie it does say the eternals will return so um i think that plans are sequel now whether or not plans change obviously we'll see how that goes but then when we hit the first credits sequence it was the other eternals fina makari um druig basically on the ship trying to figure out where they were taken where they were where they were what was going on and then we started getting some random lightning and we got Patton oswald that came out <laughs> yeah Patton oswald popped out as pip pip the troll <laughs> pip the troll i didn't under i didn't uh realize that was i knew i recognized the voice but then it finally dawned on me while watching i was like that's pat oswald man this guy loves marvel he loves voicing marvel he did Modoc, and now he's he's a uh, or the Modoc show that was on Hulu, yeah. and now he's coming in as Pip the Troll in the MCU. So good for him, man. He's a big fan uh, in his real life of the of Marvel comics. So I'm glad he's finally getting into the MCU. But yeah, Pip, and then uh, another portal opened up behind him, right? Yeah, because then Pip started doing these announcements drunken announcements of this person's uh, callbacks, and we got. Uh, I'm bad with all of this. We got Eros, Star Fox came stumbling. Not he came walking out super casually because he wasn't drunk. Yeah, he came out uh, marching very proudly. Very proudly. And then they made sure that we knew as audience members that this is Thanos' brother. And basically he made it seem like he knew where everybody was and said, let's go get them. And basically joined the Eternals to go into Eternals 2 and go find the other people that are with the Celestials. Yeah, also important to note that Eros is played by Harry Styles, who uh, uh, people in my theater really loved. Some of the really? some of the young ladies in there loved that it was Harry Styles. Yeah, that one was kind of a... I saw there were spoilers going on for this movie before and i never caught them because i kind of just ignored the stuff yeah but I, i'm pretty sure this was it that people were like harry styles is in the mcu but uh he's a singer yeah. right yeah he's from one direction okay. a boy band that girls seem to love you don't even know who harry styles is i knew the name and i thought he was a singer uh, yeah but i couldn't tell you you're better off I, I only know because i see him on the internet i'm not a not a one direction fan guys i promise you but uh it's our theme song is one direction <laughs> uh yeah thanos's brother that's cool um thanos in the comics is kind of a i think he's a i hope i'm not wrong but i think he's like a combination of an eternal and a deviant like he's a cross between the both and that's kind of been his race so Eros, I'm not too familiar with his character in the comics. I know he is a thing, but he's he, he got he got half of he got the human half of his father, where Thanos got the deviant half. So then right. they, that's why they look different, and that's why they have different just way that they live life. And Thanos got the seriousness, and he got the, or yeah, Thanos got the seriousness, and the you know not he doesn't have the optimism. He's a lot more negative, more real realist. Where yes. Eros got the party 
hard. Let's just have a good time and positivity. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. I, part of me, man, wishes watching this stuff, like watching this movie and you're just like seeing the connections going on. Like, does part of you wish Thanos was still around a little bit that he could, that he could maybe, what would be his reaction to seeing Eros or like dealing with the Eternals? You know what I mean? Um, do you think there's know, a chance they bring him back? I mean, we're opening up the multiverse. We now have his brother. If the Eternals, I mean, realistically, I do not see the Eternals having anything to do with the Avengers. I don't see any of these at characters, least, at least anytime at least in, soon. At least initially, right? Like, I just don't see their stories crossing over. I don't see a reason for any of these people to need to interact with i think they need to be i think they are they really should be their own thing that's happening i I can agree with you the only place because they are kind of opening the door to the cosmic side Mm -hmm. of the mcu which isn't truly been explored a little bit here and there with guardians and that's the team i could see crossing paths with maybe either thor or the guardians those are the only ones but like street level captain america stuff like that, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange. I don't see those really happening anytime soon until we finally get to the end of like getting to another Avengers movie and everyone has to band together to fight whoever, whether it's Kang or Doctor Doom or whoever the next big bad of the whole universe is going to be. That's when we might get to that. But for now, I, yeah, I, I and I kind of want them to exist in their own world. I mean, who knows when we could get an eternal sequel. It'll probably be a couple years few years even but uh yeah man i just wish maybe thanos was around like if yeah. thanos could be the the villain of eternals too uh because he I seems like he has more to do with them than he did with the avengers yeah um but they were but, just doing the infinity stones thing yeah that's just wishful thinking it is i'd love to see if it happens but if you stuck around through the credits, we get to a post-credit scene. That was the mid-credit scene. We also have a post-credit scene. Um, and this is where we kind of get into Dane Whitman. And we haven't talked about him much in this episode, but he is played by Kit Harrington, And he was the human boyfriend of, or fiance, I think it was boyfriend of Cersei, as she was trying to blend in with earth she kind of you know she found a job at the natural history museum and they work together but we find out they're also involved um and i always find it found it kind of strange in his few scenes that he was very easy to accept what she was like he knew he like he didn't have to have it explained to him he knew that she was an internal and seven thousand years old and it didn't really bother him i thought that was a little strange but for those who know dane whitman in the comics he is black knight um and you know you know him you read the what was that book you read heroes for hire heroes for hire (laughs) highly featured in that and he's been around he's he's a guy who's uh been on an avenger and a defender and a bunch of different other things so he's well known in the marvel universe and i kind of felt he was underused in this movie i thought there was going to be a lot more dane whitman in here just from the trailers but this post credit scene kind of made up for all that and gave us kind of a glimpse of the future of what's going to happen because what happens here at the end of the movie when he's talking to Cersei before she gets taken away by the um, celestial primus celestial he kind of says you know I have a secret family history too I have like a secret about my family she's like what and they they can't really get into it before she gets sucked away so here in this last scene 
It's uh, Dane looking at a large case that he opens up to find a sword uh, covered with a with a foreign language message on the top um, that kind of gets, I think it gets translated as death is your reward. And he's, he seems very nervous to open it and very nervous to touch it. And he opens it up and it's kind of a moving sword, right? And he goes to touch it. Now, those familiar with Black Knight in the comics know this is the ebony blade or ebony sword. I think it's called the ebony blade, mm-hmm. which is Black Knight's weapon. So it's like, man, we're seeing the origins of Black Knight here. This is awesome. This is great. But the the best part of the scene is right when it ends, you hear a voice say, you sure you're ready for that, Mr. Whitman? And he kind of turns his head really quick and it just cuts. And it's like, well, what is that? We need answers. Uh, and that's when these post-credit scenes really shine is when you're like, what did I just see? I need to know what's happening right now. Uh, and that's kind of what we got here. And I really liked it. I'm for it. Yeah, absolutely. I was sitting there like, who is this going to be? Because I did hear that there was going to be an off-camera voice. And I started seeing lots of people i think they were more posting about harry styles though but i did see a lot of that stuff and uh yeah, yeah tony's ready for us to play some Warzone. <laughs> our, both of our phones are blowing up right now as we're getting ready to wrap this bad boy up but i was gonna i was gonna ignore it but you talked yeah, about it <laughs> you know, i saw you looking at your phone it spaced me out okay but yeah, I loved the idea of seeing the origins of Black Knight. All of that is super exciting. And then we also ended up with 100% as confirmation because Chloe Zhao herself came out after everyone was trying to speculate whose voice it was. And she just said, yeah, there's no speculation. It's Maharshala Ali. It's Blade. Well, the fucking Blade was in that room with him at the end of this movie saying, are you sure you want to like, come on with that. Now, once, as we said before, why not turn the camera and let a sea blade walking in? They must just not know what his costume looks like yet or something, because I can't imagine why they needed to hide it, especially if they really wanted you to know it was him. Mm -hmm. Why hide it? Because that would have blew up my brain if I would have saw it. But yeah. even just knowing that it was Blade walking in there and just were opening up, as you said, this is really opening up the cosmos and the vampire aspect is what Jack Kirby brought in with the Eternals. And he brought in vampires into the Marvel Universe and that leads into Blade perfectly. So it's it's a great it's a great place to put them. I just wish they would have done just that or more with them, just shown them, just shown them yeah. and just been like hell yeah that would have been so so cool the only reason they didn't is they must like you said they just must not be ready to yet they're able to get the voice in but they're not ready to show them yet and this felt kind of spoilery to me from marvel but like you said she's the one who talked about it so i I said it now i mean we could have speculated (laughs) all day of who it might have been but it didn't sound like a voice in the mcu so i mean I, i had zero speculation as to who it was come before I saw the article yeah. that she said it was. I was just going to watch a bunch of people's theories and let us theorize for a minute, but yeah, no, we don't have I heard, to. I heard people early theorizing, like maybe that sounded like, you know, Nick Fury or that sounded like Kang, but no, she came out and said, yeah, that is Mahershala Ali. So it's not a spoiler if the director told us about it, or if it is a spoiler, she spoiled it for all of us. Either way, I'm happy that uh, it is Blade and this is the second movie in a row now to bring up something Blade related. They mentioned vampires in Shang-Chi. 
And now we're getting Blade. So like they're very ramping up to get get us to Blade. Um, if he's recruiting Dane Whitman, Black Knight, to be with him, like using the Ebony Blade, like him and Blade fucking up vampires, like that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be insane. I can't process that. My brain (laughs) is not allowing me to process that. Yeah, if that's the way we get Dane Whitman, Black Knight brought into this and Blade, it's gonna be awesome. I don't want to like get too far ahead of ourselves because I know we still don't even have a, a, a date for a Blade movie yet. But are they still trying to find the director? Yeah, all all kinds of different things. They have Mahershala Ali in place, and that's about it. But you know that they're seeing this, and you know, like I said, talking about it in Shang- vampires in Shang Chi. You know, it's on their radar. And you know it's very important to them, so that's very cool. Um, to me, these are like two of the best post-credit scenes we've had in a Marvel movie in a long time. Usually, we'll get one that's like that's cool, and the other one's just like kind of like I said to you, uh, I stuck around for that. That was kind of just like bunk or just like a little side joke. But these were two bunk. <laughs> yeah these these were two that just felt very important to me, and I I really appreciated them. 100%. I, I enjoyed it. It was a great story. I didn't know you were passing the baton at that exact moment. Uh, pass the baton. Pass the baton. It's my turn to run with it. No, I 100% agree with you. It uh, it was a great great way to end the movie, leave the theater, and then when I came home and read that it was Mahershala Ali, I was down with all of that. Even <laughs> yeah, so much yeah. more. Um, I think that's about everything for the movie, but I do want to ask you as now we've talked about our feelings, we've kind of done our review. We both obviously have enjoyed this movie. Um, and if you've listened to the things that we've said and it sounds cool to you, it's definitely worth one checking out. But obviously the talk this week was the critical reaction and the critics did not like this movie. And was there anything that jumped out at you as to why? Uh, I know I'm throwing yeah. a curveball at you, but no, yeah, we said we were going to talk about this a little bit. Um, why didn't the critics like this movie? Like, why is this movie getting panned as much as it was? Now, like, I looked up, I was looking up Eternals videos and why the Last Man videos, and I clicked on a video of why the Last Man got canceled, and it ended up just being garbage where people were just complaining about the trans people on it, and I was like, oh my god, and I. Got it was too video. woke for them. It was way yeah. too. It was way too out there. And then now my YouTube feed has been completely like right wing, like over the top. Way just I don't you know stuff I don't need to. I don't want to see extremes on either side. So I like to ride it in the middle. But sure. But then that I was overwhelmed with now Eternals. Like cancel the MCU now. This is too far. Marvels they're dead. They're dead. The MCU's dead. Everything's gone. This movie looks stupid. And it's just all these videos of just doing this. And then you have the critics. The critics agree. This one's trash. And this just doesn't seem like a movie that the critics would hate on to the level that they are. They they didn't understand it. They said it was boring. They I mean they just completely ripped this movie apart kind of viciously in some cases yeah and they have and i don't agree with it i can understand some of it um it depends on what position you're coming from going into this movie if you wanted a straightforward if you just wanted another avengers you didn't get that Mm -hmm. if you wanted an mcu movie that felt completely different and like a art house oscar nominated movie 
you didn't get that either. You got something in the middle of those two things. So I think people just had their expectations. You know, Chloe Zhao's name is attached. She's an Academy Award winning director. This movie's supposed to feel different. It's supposed to speak to me in a different way. And if that's not what you got, then I can see you saying, well, this movie wasn't at all what I expected. So I feel like that can be, some people might have took that as a negative thing. This movie wasn't what I expected, but I also took that as a positive in the way I view things. That's why I liked it. Um, Then you also have a camp of people who are going to hate on this movie because of just their discriminatory thoughts and ways. This movie probably more so than any other movie featured a diverse group of actors and characters that we haven't had yet. Um, Marvel has been very good over the past few years about inclusion and diversity. And this movie, you know, touched on things that we haven't had in any movies such as, you know, a disabled member of the team, a homosexual member of the team, people who are, you know, with brown skin or, or women like very highly featured in this movie. And it just gathered people from every different, you know, creed and color and orientation. And there's people out there who just aren't going to like that, man. Like no matter how much it sucks, that's just like the way some people are. And I feel like that's kind of played into it. Like they just want their straight up, you know, there's nothing wrong with people who love Captain America, but they want their World War II Captain America first Avenger movie. And there's just people who that's their superhero and they don't want any differences and they don't want any changes. You even, if you look at these characters in the comics, a lot of them don't look like what they looked like in this movie. I mean, they, they change some things to make it more inclusive and more diverse. And to me, that's can only be viewed as a positive thing. But there are people out there who I think don't like that and think it's quote unquote too woke and too whatever. And there's reviews out there that have kind of stated that. So I don't know. I think that kind of played into it. And I don't know, just people didn't like it. And I I don't know why, because I liked it. So I can't really speak for them and explain why, but maybe people just have, mcu fatigue at this point and aren't gonna like a lot of things like i don't know i don't know why do you think people didn't like this movie well i mean i think you said it great there's a lot of those things in it and as i said earlier with the reviewer you know everybody has their everybody views everything differently i think like i said the inclusion i thought was fine because once again they didn't rub your face in anything you know, it's mm-hmm. not like they were trying to like wink and nudge saying, hey, look how woke we are. Look at look at all the diversity. Look at oh, she's handicapped. Look at her. You know, like they didn't call out anything. It just was people that were together and they just did their thing. And I don't like I said, that I don't, look like real people in the world, look like real people in the world, just hanging out, doing their thing. So I, I understand that that's a thing. Um, if like I said, I can't say what you said better, but I think if to wrap us, take us home here. I think I read an article about Jack Kirby writing the original comic book of uh, in 1978. And they said, if you look in the uh, comment section, the letter section at the back of every one of those 19 issues, half of the people love that comic book and say, this is the greatest thing I've ever read. Keep doing it. And there's another half that hated it and called it blasphemy and wanted, and they were protesting in the seventies to 
remove the Eternals from the MCU or not the MCU, but the Marvel universe and comics because they just didn't like what he was doing. He was too far out there. The story he was telling was not good. And um, so this, this was a controversial idea and ripped critics apart 40 years ago, 50 years ago, whatever it was back in the seventies when it was a when the source material was written. So I think that it is only fitting that we're now sitting here with the movie release of the Eternals. And I'm sure Jack Kirby would probably enjoy that idea of just being like, Hey, this was split back when I wrote it in the seventies, it's split. Now that makes sense. And that's the only way the Eternals could be because it's just, it's the same thing. And I mean, yeah, there, there were different reasons as to why it was split, but I mean, I think the way that this movie was directed, I think that the way that the story was told was told in a way that sounds like it's very fitting for the Eternals, like an adaptation of the Eternals. And not everyone, like I said, it just seems like it's a divisive idea and story in one way or another. Yeah, very well said. That that's cool information you got there. That I like that. Um, I agree. I think it's a um story that is very strong with its diversity and 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 telling a story that just we don't see a lot, especially for a like I called it before a capes movie, superhero movie. You do not get this kind of um this kind of just massive telling of a story that just feels so different in a new fresh way like i wanted risks from this that's why i was interested in this Mm -hmm. and i got and we got risks that's what was given to us here and that's what i wanted so i'm glad that's what makes me happy about it um so you know i don't i don't blame everyone's allowed their opinion about it uh if you didn't like it that's fine there's a lot of movies that people love that i don't like so everyone's gonna like what they like um and i hope like we started off the show saying i hope everybody just gives themselves the opportunity to form their own opinion about it because a movie that you know 10 people don't like and you think you're not gonna like it still just give yourself that chance to see if you do if you don't what's the harm you know what i mean just find out for yourself be your own be your own reviewer and be your own critic that's all i'll say perfectly said so i think that is going to wrap us up for this episode of the raised a geek podcast make sure as we said in the beginning that you like subscribe and follow us join the conversation hit us up on twitter at raised the geek or shoot us an email at raised the geek at gmail.com let us know what you thought of the eternals and we can continue this conversation uh don's doing great over on twitter and he would love to have that your interaction and your thoughts on this film because one of the most exciting things is when we're divisive and we are having different opinions and we can come together and talk about it and you know share each other's opinions i really want to know why people hated this movie to the level that they did because i was coming in expecting a dumpster fire and i was texting down this morning going do i really need to see this movie like you could you could tell me if i need to walk away from this you know which of course he's not going to do because he wants me as he just said to make my own opinion so i went and did we both liked it, so Eternals Review is definitely a win for us. But until next time, I'm Chris. And I'm Don. And thanks for listening to the Raised a Geek podcast. Where we all speak geek.